Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from the book, Stories of Heroic Deeds for Boys and Girls, historical series. Book number two, by James Jonot. Tonight we will be going through a short story regarding one of America's great heroes of the Revolutionary War, titled The Daring of John Paul Jones. This is the story of a man who was famous for his actions. He was called a pirate, a commander, a criminal, and a patriot. He used his mastery of sailing to help win the American Revolutionary War, and he was dubbed the father of the U.S. Navy. This is the story of how he took the Ranger, his ship, to Ireland and burned a considerable amount of the British Navy's ships and released American prisoners of war and made the other side look really, really bad. This is the wartime equivalent of making a slam dunk on the court to win the game and then smack-talking the other team and laughing in their face because they said that you couldn't do it. This book was written for school kids in the 1800s and references tales of heroism through the ages and is a piece of history itself. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and the series is filled with lots of inspirational tales of heroes. But this section is great, because it reminds us that winning, while making it look easy and having fun, is one of the thrills of the warrior path. So relax and enjoy. The Daring of John Paul Jones It was in the spring of 1778 that the name of John Paul Jones became so terrible along the western coast of Britain, his native coasts, as familiar to him as to a Solway fisherman. And what a tough, valiant, intractable, audacious hero he was, with his foppish ways and costume, his romantic, fantastic courtesy and enthusiasm. He had been a Nelson, if he had a Nelson's opportunities. He was a little man, too, like Nelson, though compactly built, and his voice was soft and still, and small, and his eye had keenness and softness in it, and full as he was of the spirit of mastery. He was all gentleness, consideration, generosity to men who obeyed him. Like all the greatest fighters, he performed his immortal exploits while he was young. He was but 32 when he did his greatest day's work. 
So it's interesting to note that John Paul Jones is said to have the spirit of mastery. As you sharpen your skills and work to be the best you, you develop mastery. If you're a musician, you become a master of your instrument. If you code, you're the master of your language. If you're a rancher, you master the daily skills you need to herd cattle, see the signs they show of illness or aggression. Your skill set becomes more and more honed with every time you do your work, and you become a master. That's what sets you apart in your place of work, your peer group, and makes you invaluable in your tribe. Maybe you're the handyman, the marksman, the hunter, the jiu-jitsu trainer in your group. Maybe your friends are the ones that know how to do concrete, or can work electrical, or the guy with the cool boat, <laughs> whatever it is. You bring something to the table that you have mastered. But what you do isn't you, but your skill and mastery brings you honor to yourself and your people. The art of mastering yourself through perfecting a skill can win you fame and honor and has a practical use to your life. But most importantly, it means that you've proven to yourself that you have earned your own respect. So far, the story also points out that John Paul Jones was soft-spoken. You don't have to project yourself over others and take up auditory space if you know that you can handle whatever comes your way. Real confidence can be felt, and tenderness can be shown through the soft-spoken words. Leaders operate by example, and a warrior seeking to bring peace knows how to demonstrate it and others will follow. There is a time and place to dominate with your voice, and there is also a time to show grace and kindness. Because you've mastered yourself, you can read the signs. Let's continue. On the southwestern coast of Scotland, John Paul Jones was born. Nothing could keep him from the sea. At 12, he was apprenticed to a merchant in the American trade in whose ships he served seven years as a cabin boy and sailor for the mast. At the age of 24, we find him settled in Tobago, engaged in commerce and possessing considerable property. In 1774, he came to the colonies. The revolution breaking out, he obtained a lieutenant's commission in the forming Navy of the United States. He acquired sudden and very great distinction. In one short cruise, he took 16 prizes, of which he burned eight and sent in eight. He had some sharp actions with King's ships and captured one, which had on board a company of British troops and 10,000 suits of clothes, a more precious acquisition in 1776. It was Paul Jones who first hoisted the Stars and Stripes on that very day, June 14, 1777, on which Congress resolved that the flag of the 13 United States be 13 stars, white in a blue field, representing a new constellation. They also resolved that Captain Paul Jones be appointed to command the ship 
Ranger. As he had been the first to hoist the flag of the United States on a ship of war, so on entering the harbor, abreast of February 1778, seven days after the signing of the Treaty of Alliance, he was the first naval officer who had the pleasure of acknowledging a salute to the flag from a foreign power. Soon after, Captain Jones sailed in the Ranger for the Scottish coast on his first cruise in British waters. On the seventh day, he was between the Isle of Man and Whitehaven waters, which he knew as familiarly as the New Yorkers do the Narrows. Whitehaven was the town at which he had been apprenticed and from which he had sailed for 10 years. It was a small town of several thousand inhabitants and its harbor contained three or four hundred vessels closely moored together. Jones had formed the daring scheme of running in near the port, landing two parties, burning all the ships, and retreating before any armed force could be raised to repel him. So to give you a background on John Paul Jones, he had already left on many adventures. Years ago, he was to be hanged as a criminal in Britain for winning a sword fight against the wrong person and fled to the colonies. The hero's journey is the story of mankind. It's written in our DNA. And as a warrior, you live it out every day. It's your story. The final phase in a hero's journey is the return of the hero from a different world. And this would be his homecoming. He arrives as a changed man. And in the case of John Paul Jones, he was indeed a changed man. He was now a Yank, an American, and no longer a criminal on the run, but he had returned, and this time, he was doing the chasing. Let's continue. At midnight, with two boats and 31 men, provided with combustibles and dark lanterns, he left his ship and made for Whitehaven Pier. Day was dawning when he reached it, for the light wind had made him hours too late in starting. He would not abandon the enterprise, however unpromising it seemed, sending one boat to the north side of the harbor to fire the vessels collected there, he went himself to do the same office to the stranded fleet on the south side. Familiar with every foot on the ground he had to traverse, he boldly landed under the guns of the two forts that protected the harbor, and he himself climbed the wall of one of them and spiked every gun without giving an alarm. All the sentinels he found had gone to the guardhouse and there he secured and disarmed every one of them without giving or receiving a scratch. Then, accompanied by one man, he scaled the other fort and spiked its guns. Returning to the pier to begin the conflagration, he found there the other boat, which had come back for a light, the candles and the lanterns having burnt out. Jones now discovered that all his own candles were consumed, and there was not in either boat a spark of fire or the means of kindling one. 
The day, too, had dawned, and every second was precious. Nevertheless, he sent one of his men to a house nearby for a light, who soon returned successful, and the boats again separated for the work of destruction. Ten minutes later, a barrel of fat ignited in the steerage of a ship that lay surrounded by a hundred and fifty others, all left high and dry in the receded tide shot a bolt of roaring flame through the hatchway. The people of the town, in hundreds, were soon running to the pier. Captain Jones stood by the side of the burning vessel, pistol in hand, and ordered the crowd to keep their distance, which they did. Not till the flames had caught the ringing and wreathed about the main mast, not till the sun was an hour high, not till the whole town was rushing amazed to see the scene, did Jones give the order to embark. This whole time, John Paul Jones was running out of time and surrounded by enemies. But he didn't let that stop him from completing his goal that was already ambitious to begin with. He fought the dawn. And though he could have done even more damage, he accomplished what he had set out to do. Let's continue. His men entered the boats without opposition, the captain releasing, at the last moment, all his prisoners but three, who were all he had room for. He stood on the pier till his men were seated in boats, and for some little time after then, stepping gracefully into his place, he gave the word. The oars splashed into the water, and they moved toward the ship, while from every eminence of the vicinity, hundreds and thousands of silent, astonished spectators gazed upon the unearthly scene. To the forts, was the cry on shore, as soon as the spell of the enemy's presence was removed. Their disappointment, says Jones, may easily be imagined when they found at least 30 heavy cannons, the instruments of their vengeance, rendered useless. At length, however, they began to fire, having, as I apprehended, either brought down ship guns or used one or two cannons, which lay on the beach dismounted and had not been spiked. They fired with no direction, and the shot, falling short of the boats, instead of doing us any damage, afforded some diversion, which my people could not help showing by discharging their pistols in return for the salute. The people of the town succeeded in confining the ravages of the fire to a few ships. Had it been possible, he remarks, to have landed a few hours sooner, he could have burned all 300 vessels. Place yourself there on the boat next to John Paul Jones and his men. What would normally be considered a frightening attack and ruin for any base is now a party for you and your team with a great light show. You watch them scamper around in a panic and try to shoot you, but they can't because you and your men were crafty and cunning. They try to shoot back, but it just flops out. And they run around, 
not fully understanding what to do, not knowing what to do. And everyone's pissed at each other. And you get to sit there and watch the boats burn and belly laugh with your friends. You shoot into the air just to mock them and join in with the celebration that they're having. You've mastered your craft and made the enemy look bad and had fun while doing it. So maybe you're a Navy SEAL and maybe you're not. Perhaps you're a carpenter and a mechanic and someone tries to show you up and challenges you. By the time they even try to compete with you, you've completed all the work they said they'd do plus some of theirs. You made it look effortless. Because you've mastered yourself and your craft, you know how to win. Whatever challenges you face in life, it's going to be easier when you have fun doing it. Because you choose the warrior path. And you don't play just to not lose. You play to win. And that's what warriors do.